You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. folks here we are again back at the old podcast room welcome everybody my name is john hudsmith and this is the oklahoma outdoors podcast i'm very glad you're tuning in this week i'm feeling a little bit of uh new life in me this week um baby life has been hard uh we got some advice right before the baby came that said basically the first two weeks are just survival mode and that came to be very very true but we're on week three now so uh, starting to get a little bit of a routine down. I wouldn't say I'm getting more sleep, but I'm getting used to not having sleep. And so last couple of days have been doing a lot better. And for once, I finally feel like I'm kind of getting ahead on this podcast thing instead of falling behind. Um, I actually did a double header this week. And so I got to choose from multiple interviews for this week's podcast. And so uh, if you've uh, felt like I've been slacking the last few weeks, I apologize. I kind of feel like I've been slacking, but I'm back on track now and uh, and we're going to steamroll right into this upcoming fall. So very exciting podcast this week. We got Dalton Wortham with Creek Adventure Podcast coming on and we're going to be talking a little fly fishing. Uh, this is a topic that I've been trying to cover for a while, honestly. I've reached out to several people. Nobody's really gotten back to me, um, but reached out to Dalton, and he jumped on the opportunity. So very excited about this, very excited about this topic. Uh, fly fishing is one of those things. It's it's One, it's way harder than it looks, and uh, it's something that when I was younger, like I absolutely thought that I was going to be a diehard fly fisherman, and then I tried it, and of course, it's way, way harder than than I thought it was, and uh, and I kind of just gave up on it. Um, but uh, when I went and uh, caught some trout earlier this spring at Blue River, uh, I saw some people out there fly fishing. It kind of lit that little spark inside of me again. I think I even talked about it uh, when I did that episode that I was kind of tempted to to get some some gear and maybe try it this next year. Uh, so yeah, it's been something that's kind of creeping up and, uh, and after this podcast, it's probably going to, uh, you know, maybe trigger something inside of you too. So, uh, great episode, like I said, talking fly fishing, uh, Dalton is a great guy, very knowledgeable. Um, and not only is he knowledgeable, but he, uh, pitches a lot of other people and a lot of other places where you can go and further your knowledge if it's something that you're interested in. So going to be a great episode, a few quick announcements, uh, first one, I talked about it last week, uh, August 13th, I am going to be at the National Wild Turkey Federation Deer Expo. I'm going to be teaching a class there. I believe it's uh, 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. 
is when my class in, I think the doors open at eight, I want to th- say. Um, there's several courses throughout the day. Uh, so if you're you know new to hunting or you're just trying to learn more about it or you're interested in gear or biology, whatever it might be, uh, register online and check it out because it's going to be a fantastic time. So uh, like I said, I'm going to be there. So come meet me. I'd love to meet you guys. Uh, I've been having a lot of like listener interaction the last few weeks. Um, I've had you know past guests texting me. I've had people reaching out on Instagram and Facebook and stuff, and I love that, guys. So, uh, yeah, what do you got to lose? Shoot me a message. Um, I'll try to get to you. I'm really bad at checking uh, like people that I'm not friends with. So like the there's like a little deal under messages that you have to click on to read. Uh, messages from people who I don't follow. Uh, I'm, I'm, I check it every couple days, so if I don't get right back to you, I apologize, uh, but I'm pretty good about getting back to people. So, so yeah, hit me up on social media. We got a great podcast. I feel like I'm missing something else. Can't think of it. Uh, the only other thing I was going to say is uh, the cows are still uh, back in my deer area right now. I mentioned that again last week. Um, you know, the drought is just absolutely killing our poor ranch. Uh, we have drinking water. That's not a problem. We have a well. We have several troughs, uh, but we're just not having any grass g- grow. And so I've told you all kind of how our property lays out uh, before. We got kind of the, the front section, which is our hardcore cattle ground, you know, mostly Bermuda grass pasture. That's where all the cows stay the majority of the time. And then in the back, we have a, a kind of rougher, about 200-acre section, and that's where I do most of my deer hunting. And typically, we only let the cows in there like late winter, early spring. Um, there's a lot of native grass back there and stuff that kind of holds its value better. And so we typically kind of save it for that time of year. Um, but basically, we're just so out of grass that we had no other option. And so, uh, you know, I had a, a protein feeder going. I put out some trophy rocks. I had five or six cell cams going. And basically, for the last two weeks, it's been nothing but cows. Uh, the cows broke down the feeder pen, drained the feeder. Uh, all the trophy rocks are gone. I've I got a whole bunch of pictures of the cows eating them. So uh, basically, everything I've done up to this point is somewhat worthless. And uh, I haven't. I've gotten a few like pictures of does, but no buck pictures. And so uh, I think this coming Friday, we're gonna try to move them out of there, move them onto some other grass, and uh, and then hopefully keep them out for the rest of the year. And so. Uh, Probably not this coming weekend, but the following weekend, I'm hopefully going to get out there, uh, fix the pen, you know, refill the feeders, put out some new rocks, and uh, and kind of start the summer scouting over again. So uh, one kind of cool thing that's going to come from it is like I was getting a lot of buck pictures, especially on that feeder, um, and uh, but like oh man, what two weeks or yeah, two weeks would have been like July 15th. This is kind of when they screwed it up, and going from that to you know August seventh or something like that sixth seventh uh those deer are going to be like way way blown up from then and so i kind of got like a little picture a little bit of hope and then uh when i get everything running again hopefully i get to see them you know they're going to be almost fully grown uh by the time august rolls around so so that's the kind of the you know how i keep to how i kind of keep myself excited is that uh, i'm going to get to see these deer full grown now so so uh yeah that's about all i have to say got a few more projects coming up uh but i don't know when i'm going to get to those um like i said i got this exciting episode with dalton this week um next week i got another great episode already recorded i'm going to put out i have two more guests already lined up for future episodes so as i mentioned before we are rocking and rolling and i'm so glad you guys are here listening so we're going to get into this week's podcast right after a word from our sponsors and i hope you guys enjoy it it's only getting hotter and drier every day and those little bitty farm ponds are drying up so if you need a place to go catch some fish check out privatewaterfishing.com Your membership gains you access to large private lakes all over Oklahoma and Texas. No boat? No problem. Several of these lakes have boats on site for you to use. Worried about the cost? As a part of the management practices for these lakes, some of them actually pay you for taking out smaller fish to help them manage for trophy bass. So there's no reason not to sign up. That's privatewaterfishing.com. On last episode, you guys heard me and my guests talking about how Bill Winky went to some extreme measures to kill a buck last year. In a different interview, I heard him talking about how he was unable to run trail cameras that year, and so he was completely reliant on trail cam information he'd gotten from the previous year. And when I was listening to that, I thought, this guy needs Deer Lab. With Deer Lab, you can track those bucks and their patterns, 
to help you stay one step ahead of them. And you can track those bucks over multiple years and know if that buck is running around on your property. Or maybe you just need to sit at the house and wait a few weeks for him to show up. So instead of wasting valuable time, head over to DeerLab.com and sign up today. Arrowhead Land Company continues to change the game in Oklahoma real estate. They have added new agents and more listings across the state to further help you reach your goals of buying or selling land. Their hardworking, goal-oriented mindset puts you and your needs first. No matter if you're looking for a prized hunting ranch, a family farm, or just a little piece to build your dream home on, go to Arrowhead Land Company and they can help. Hey everybody, welcome to today's show. And today I got Dalton Wortham on. How you doing, Dalton? Doing good, man. Excited to be here. I appreciate you asking me to jump on with you. Absolutely, absolutely. I've been trying to get somebody on to talk fly fishing for about a year now, and for some reason haven't been able to work it out. And so uh, I'm really glad we got this uh, worked out, and I'm excited about it, man. Fly fishing is one of those things that I've I've always been very intrigued by it. I've done it a little bit, um, but it's one of, it's it's way more work and way more intense than it looks. Uh, I'll give it that. Oh, absolutely, man. And apologies to your listeners. Um, you you reached the bottom of the barrel of Oklahoma fly fishermen if you're looking for knowledge. So <laughs> I'll I do my that. best to uh, <laughs> to uh, convey anything that I have learned in my um, career of fly fishing. Well, I'm sure you're miles ahead of myself and many of the listeners. And so we'll, we'll take it. Well, that's we the, yeah, that's the thing, man. It, fly fishing, we do our best to, you know, put it up on this pedestal and make it some mysterious um you know intimate beautiful event but it's weird it's fishing man it's Mm -hmm. it's all about i i compare it to bow hunting um it's it's kind of like bow hunting of fishing i mean Mm -hmm. it's it's just a little bit harder it's a little bit more um kind of got to be studious about it um and just invest time in it and then you can become you know a world-class fisherman just just by investing in time on the water yeah, just like you, world-class fisherman. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Working on it. Yep, yep. Well, uh, anyway, before we jump off too deep, let's uh, let's just get a little introduction real quick. So, uh, Dalton, why don't you tell us just you know who you are, what you do, and a little bit about yourself. Yes, sir. Um, so, I have been fly fishing for probably three or so years. I started in 2019, so technically you couldn't call me a COVID fly fisherman. <laughs> Um, but no, I grew up in Southwest Oklahoma, um, in Marlowe, Oklahoma, actually, um, just pond fishing, man. I had all these creeks, rivers, streams, even lakes are, are, are relatively new to me. I just, any dirty old cow pond, I'd throw an H and H spinner or, you know, a rattle trap in and see what I could pull out of it. Um, but, uh, I work at Grand River Dam Authority as a safety coordinator. Um, and so I saw recently you had a coworker on Mr. Um, Josh Garut, um, and he's a good dude. I, anytime I'm around that guy, uh, all we talk about is hunting and fishing. I don't think we get any work done, but those, uh, those linemen know how to keep a, a safety man humble. So <laughs> Josh is a good dude. I, yeah. I was excited to go back and listen to that episode. Oh yeah. But yeah, yeah. um, man, that's, that's really me in a nutshell. I, you know, work and try to carve out time um, between my lovely wife and son to, to go fishing. I like to get that wife reference in early in the podcast. So she can drop off and quit listening. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, awesome, man. Well, uh, yeah, I think I got several questions here. I think we're having a great time and, and I think we're going to open some people's eyes to to fly fishing in Oklahoma. So that's the whole point of this thing. Yeah, man. I I really enjoyed listening to your blue river episode. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, hearing your, experience of catching that first trout targeting and and you know figuring it out man that's like you've you've discovered fire you're the first person to discover <laughs> fire or you know you're the greatest sportsman alive for catching an eight inch stock rainbow <laughs> and right. if, if if you could bottle that feeling man we'd all we we would all be a happier population mm-hmm Absolutely, man. I, uh, yeah, I think I mentioned on that thing, I'm, I'm pretty tempted to go back there this coming spring with a fly rod. Uh, but man, I just, I just had so much fun out there exploring it, you know, however I can get out there, I'm going to do it again. So it is. So are you, are you relatively new to fly fishing? Are you Have you done any in the past? So I have, um, I, I would say if anything, I'm, I'm old at fly fishing. I, I got into it, um, 
I, I've mentioned on this podcast before. I, I went to school in Idaho and I moved out there. I thought I was going to be a mountain man and, you know, hunt elk and fly fish and everything. And I quickly, very quickly learned that fly fishing is way harder than it looks like on a river runs through it. Uh, you <laughs> yeah. know, I, I just pictured myself, you know, standing in the middle of this big river and, and you know, re reeling them in one after another. But I quickly found out that the, most of the water you fish is a lot smaller um, typically there's not room to just cast, you know, this huge, big, giant loop wherever you want to. Um, and, and man, it, there's a lot more finesse to it than you would think. And so I've done some fly fishing back in college. And to be honest with you, you know, I didn't really have anybody to teach me. And I kind of got frustrated with it because I was putting so much time and effort into it and not having a lot of success. Um, my biggest claim to fame when it comes to fly fishing, uh, I actually took a fly fishing class in college. And that was the nice. highest, that was the highest grade I ever got in a college course. I got a 100% on my final. Uh, and so, so, so there is some knowledge there, but, uh, but yeah, as far as action, um, I'm pretty rusty. A scholar of fly fishing. That's, that's all you right. need to know. That's right. That's right. Well, cool, man. Well, if you're ready, I think I'd like to dive into some of these questions. And, uh, my first one is it, it's almost an odd question. Uh, and I don't, and I don't know. I put it first because I think when a lot of people think of fly fishing, they just automatically assume trout, you know, maybe salmon, uh, you know, Colorado, that type of thing. But uh, but there's plenty of opportunities here in Oklahoma for fly fishing. And so to start things off, I just want to talk about, like, what are some of the species you can catch on a fly here in Oklahoma? Yeah, man, you you covered it. The The perception of fly fishing is, you know, casting a tight loop out to a rising fish with a you know, size um, 20 dry fly and then sipping it off the surface. But it it's so much different than that in Oklahoma. I mean, a fly rod in, in the hand of an Oklahoman is is like a Swiss army knife. It, it truly is a, a versatile tool. Um, basically, any species, you know, and, and in and of itself, Oklahoma has a multitude of species that we can target on any num on any form of tackle or, or gear you want. But man it's it's so unique that um we actually have a 15 species challenge i'll reference trout unlimited um chapter 420 the, the tulsa oklahoma chapter 420 we do a 15 species challenge every year um with a fly rod so you're targeting you know at least 15 different species and i can rattle them off real quick if i can remember them but it's basically Rainbow trout, smallmouth bass, largemouth, Kentucky bass, striped bass, a hybrid um, or striped white bass, whatever you want to call it. Um, white bass, crappie, bluegill, long ear sunfish, green sunfish, red ear sunfish, channel cat, drum, and then any other weird fish you can catch. But, um, you know, my, my preference and, and the one that's kind of gripped me closely is smallmouth bass. Um, you know, we've got the, uh, the upper Illinois River. Um, there in northeastern Oklahoma and you know all of its tributaries and Ozark creeks that that run over on that northeastern edge of the state um, and of course they're throughout I didn't know this but they're throughout the whole state um, that's something I recently learned too I, I caught one just outside of Ardmore this spring yeah I had no I've got family yeah I've got family down there in Lone Grove mm -hmm. um, and have been on Murray quite a bit and honestly didn't know a smallmouth bass existed Mm -hmm. um until started fly fishing uh -huh. so like i said my my frame of reference was whatever was in a dirty cow pond so um it it that 15 species challenge man was was really eye-opening because you learn you get to learn new types of water you get to learn new types of species and everything that oklahoma offers um so yeah you don't have to think about trout you know when it comes to fly fishing they you've got all sorts of different flies gear um, different size rods that you can, man, we've got a, a big following up here on the Arkansas River that are catching 30 inch striper on a fly rod. Mm. Um, fish so big, they're, they're snapping fly rods, you know, when you, when you try to land them. Mm. That sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. And I, that's, that's a great segue into my next question here. Um, and again, this is kind of a hard one to answer, especially, you know, just doing audio, not uh, video, but um, you know, some of that gear that you were just talking about, you know, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, man, I would love to get into fly fishing. 
what are some basics? I mean, obviously a fly rod, uh, but what are just some basic gear that somebody needs if they're going to pursue this a little bit? Yeah. Um, man, fly fishing is no different than any of the other outdoors activities that we love to pursue. I mean, there's no better time in history right now for, for outdoors men and women with all the cool gear that they're producing. I mean, I'm a, I'm a social media algorithms dream. I, if I see a, you know, cool piece of gear or something, I will, I will put my family in financial jeopardy for a new <laughs> Haller Bros shirt, you know? Um, but when it comes down to gear, what's going to get you on the water, you know, often an overlooked piece of equipment when we talk about getting outdoors is just a good pair of shoes. Um, this is relevant to me, um, wading in the Arkansas river last week, I, I had three baptisms, um, <laughs> slipping and sliding all over those rocks, busted my shin up and, oh man, it was, and then get skunked in the, mm-hmm. in that day. So it, uh, I at least thought I had earned a fish that day, but the river thought differently. Um, but man, uh, like a good pair of wading boots. Um, you know, I, if I'm in a small Ozark stream, smallmouth bass fish, I've probably got a pair of Chacos on or Tevas. Um, that substrate's going to be super slippery in some spots, like in tailwaters and, um, and so a good pair of wading boots, whether that's, um, you know, they've got some, like the brand I wear corkers have interchangeable soles where you can get into felt bottoms, which is good for slippery rocks. They've got spikes or cleats or bars, um, basically study the, you know, the substrate of the area you're going to be fishing and, and utilize the best form of footwear. I mean, cause we're at, you know, fly fishing is a little different. You do have to get out in the water. You're waiting most of the time. If you don't, if you're not fishing from a boat. Um, so man, like I said, to, to be safe out there, a good pair of shoes is going to get you started. Um, and again, going back to safety, a waiting staff, if I, my waiting staff was in the car while I was slipping and sliding and busting my face all over the rocks. So, um, and then, you know, if we're talking trout again, if we're, um, fishing in the winter, you know, we're fishing tailwaters, it's cold water. So, um, the summer months we like to wet wade, you know, basically whatever gear you'd swim in, in the river, you can, you know, get wet in that, but a good pair of waders, you can get nuts with the gear. You can buy a pair of Sims waders for 500 to a thousand dollars, or you can, you know, I started with the Cabela's white river models that are, you know, hundred bucks. You can, you can either get the boot, um, boot foot. Uh, what's the proper terminology? The waders with boots or, yeah. you know, the, the neoprene sock, mm-hmm. um, that you can have separate waiting boots, which is what I like. Um, but then some sort of pack, you know, once you got your, your footwear, your waders and, Again, I guess I go swimming a lot in the river and I've learned from this. So I like the submersible packs. Um, Fish Pond is a good brand, a um, little pricey, but then again, you can, you can always go with the, the White River brand. They, they've, they've come a long way. They've got some submersible packs, but something to keep your gear safe, your phone safe. You know, if you go in the drink, um, your, your phone, your wallet, your keys aren't going to get soaked. Um, but, you know, a good net, um it is crucial um i like the rubberized nets you know i'm kind of going trout heavy on my stuff but it's not particular i know only specific to trout that rubberized net is good it's easier on the fish um you know that um mesh net your hooks are going to get caught in it and trout have this protective slime on them that um can get rubbed off by you know handling with dry hands or that that rough material of that net. So a good rubberized or nylon, um, is good for, for the fish. Um, if you're, when you're netting them, but then, you know, you get into actual, what we're out there for with with the fly rod, um, a good, you know, standard starting point is a nine foot five weight rod. Um, that's kind of a general starting area. Um, you're not going to go, you can do so many things. You can target so many species with that. Um, but that's a good beginner um, reference to, to learn how to fly cast. Um, and then you can branch off from there with your, I, I personally like shorter fiberglass rods, um, kind of an old technology that is re that's re-emerging. Um, and lots of great companies are coming out with fiberglass rods. It's, um, 
when you get into fly rods, you, you talk about action and it's either a fast or medium or slow action. Those typical nine foot five weights are going to be a kind of a fast action rod. Um, and that's all about your, your fly casting mechanics that we can get into later. But I like those slower, um, buttery, uh, fiberglass casts. I kind of like, uh, that's my jam. I like those, but, um, you got your fly rod and then your fly line, um, which is probably the most crucial component of the whole thing. Um, we'll get into the mechanics of that later, but you want a good fly line, you know, most, you can pick up a cheap fly line. Um, but with it being the most mechanically important part of the process, like you most, a good fly line you get for $90, um, 90 to hundred dollars, you know, you get down in that 30, 40, 50 range. It's, it's probably not going to react the way you want it to. Um, I was going to ask, I was going to stop you real quick and I, you know, maybe you're planning to cover this a little later, but you know, what's the difference in those two? What are you paying for? What, what's that action you're getting there? You're paying for, um, the technology that's in the line, they have certain tapers, um, and weights and thicknesses, um, that are going to help you, you know, if you're throwing a big, um, heavy weighted fly, they're, they're tapered, um, at the end to, to be able to deliver that fly line and, and roll out that loop. Um, because you're sent, we call it fly casting, but you're essentially unrolling your fly line. You know, you hear the phrase tight loops. Um, so you want that fly line to, to um, travel in the same path backwards into your back cast and then roll out into a tight loop to deliver and roll out that, lay out that fly as delicately as possible. Um, so it's, it's really the, the technology and, and mechanics that have been integrated into that fly line. Awesome. Awesome. Sorry to cut you off. I was just, just well, I know I'm a terrible, I'm a, <laughs> I'm terrible with the technical yeah, stuff. No, um, that's great though. I, I love the technical stuff. I, I wanted to get into it a little more. So, uh, yeah, so we, we got the, the pack, we got the rod, we got the waiters, we got the line. Uh, yeah. Going. So yeah, on your, on the end of your fly line, you know, you have, um, that's a polyethylene or again, sorry for the technical, um, ignorance. Um, but your fly line, and then you have your leader, which is, you know, your fluorocarbon or monofilin, and that is a tapered leader, which starts at a certain thickness and tapers down to a smaller, um, diameter. Um, and then at the end of that leader, you have what's called tippet. Um, I'm very lazy on my leader tippet setups. You can, you can buy a packet of tapered leaders. Um, from any fly shop or Bass Pro or whatever that is typically, you know, again, nine foot. Um, it, it changes to what species you're targeting or or where you're fishing, you know, based off depth, depth and things like that. But um, essentially, you want a bigger piece of fishing line down to a smaller um, piece of fishing line because, again, it's about transferring that energy and rolling out that fly. Um, but and then you're down to your fly, whatever fly selection you have, whatever you're fishing. Um, so that's, you know, a fly gear setup in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. And uh, while, while we're on gear, I want to throw this one out to you. Yeah, I've, I've been through the, the fly fishing section at like Bass Pro and Cabela's and stuff. And uh, mm -hmm. my, bro my brothers and I used to play the game of who could find the most expensive rod because some of them would oh, just gosh. blow your mind. And, and, you know, you can, you can buy a rod for $60. You can buy a rod for $600. Um, you know, if somebody's fairly serious about getting into this, you know, they're not just going to go out for a day or two, you know, they think that they're really going to pursue this. Is there kind of like a minimum you would suggest? And obviously, you know, each brand's going to have different starting points, but, uh, you know, if somebody's really serious about this, do they need to spend at least X amount of dollars on, on their rod? No, man, there's really no entry point to the sport. It's, it's all about your investment level and your interest level. If you want to go buy the Sage thousand dollar rod, go for it, man. If you've got the means, do it. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna have a good time if 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 you buy that rod or you buy a a forty dollar you know combo at Walmart. Mm -hmm. um, a good entry point, I would say. I started with a combo, um, and you know that's gonna come with your rod, reel, 
line. I mean, you're backing your line, your leader and tippet. I mean, it's ready to tie a fly on and go fishing. Um, I, I started with a TFO, uh, Temple Fork Outfitters, um, NXT Black Label 2, which is, I think I looked up before this, is it's down to about uh, 189 um, online, um, which is a good, you know, it's a chunk of change for somebody. But mm-hmm. um, my mindset getting into the sport was I, I want to invest in this. And I typically I'm the guy that, you know, goes to Harbor Freight and buys the cheapest tool possible mm-hmm. um, to get the job done. But my mindset changed a little bit on this and I, I kind of wanted to go middle of the road. Um, that way, if I, I did enjoy the sport and, and I, it did grip me, um, that I could, the, the longevity of that equipment, equipment would, would carry me further. Um, and then again, like we talked about earlier, that fly line being the most important, um, part of the, part of the recipe is get that combo reel. If you like it and you get good with that, you can cast that upgrade to a more expensive fly line. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you basically just beef up your setup. Um, just by you know buying a new fly line so man you can like you said you can spend 60 or 600 um i failed to mention earlier you know i i got grouped up with a couple of guys um mr chris queen and trevor rogers um chris started an online fly shop called creek adventures um that he's done really well with he calls it a hybrid fly shop it's an online um, fly shop, which you can find at tulsaflyshop.com. Um, calls it kind of a hybrid setup. You know, he runs it out of his garage and a website, but he'll meet you out at the river. Um, we'll meet you, you know, one of the local Tulsa ponds or something and, and let you demo a rod or something like that. And, and where I'm going with this is we found this brand, um, Maxon, um, that has been incredible. It's, it's kind of a middle of the road. They've got their expensive rods and they've got beginner rods, but, um, they, they do a good job of, of targeting that middle of the road, um, price point. Um, but the quality of those rods is, is amazing. And, and we really like to promote them there. We, we do our own little Creek adventures podcast. Um, and that's what we're usually fishing when we're out there, but, um, man, it, I don't like to promote the snobby uppity, you know, expensive elitist mindset of fly fishing. Because it can get that way. It, it, mm-hmm. There's some expensive gear out there, but um, we don't want to deter anybody to get into the sport because of a price point. Mm-hmm. Um, so get what you can get and, and just time on the water, invest. And there's, there's so many opportunities to learn nowadays with YouTube and um, podcasts such as these, Instagram. I mean, you can, you can really get um, into the sport and learn quickly nowadays. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, oh man, so many, so many places I could go right now. Right. Um, uh, I want to, I want to talk about casting here in a little bit. Um, and even then, like, I, I'm, you know, like you said, I, I think it'd be way better for somebody to go to YouTube and, uh, and, you know, get your 10 and two down and everything like that. And so I'm going to ask about casting, but it's going to kind of come from a different angle, but, but we're not quite there yet. And so uh, while we're on gear, I got one last question, another kind of mm-hmm. difficult one to talk on the podcast, but uh, you know, we can't get through this without talking about flies. Um, and oh, so, yeah. uh, so, you know, if somebody, again, I kind of want to come at it from, from two angles, let's say somebody's, you know, beginning, what are some basic fly, you know, easy flies that they should buy and then also, uh, you know, I reached out to a couple of buddies that fly fish and, uh, you know, they just love to hear some, some good flies for Oklahoma, you know, some people who have some experience, just what works for you, um, you know, patterns you see, uh, what type of year or sorry, what time of year to throw them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I know that's like a huge shotgun blast of different questions about flies, but, uh, but, uh, let's, let's see how you can do with it. Right. Well, the, the easiest answer is, you know, the phrase match the hatch, mm-hmm. um, it's as simple as matching the, the food, the forage, the, the bait fish that's in that body of water. Um, but man, I love Oklahoma because you can just throw the trashiest, dirtiest, ugliest flies that you've got in your fly box and they will catch fish. Um, going back to that 15 species challenge, we've had guys complete the entire challenge on a white mega worm and just, it, it's incredible 
the the trash he flies that you can throw here and catch good fish but man it i i kind of went crazy um again with with gear and flies thinking man i've got to have 14 fly boxes full of whatever possible fly i can get mm -hmm. um but you can get so much done with a freaking woolly bugger man mm -hmm. um a black olive woolly bugger it's it's deadly um but if, if we're talking trout you know again trash flies are king mop flies um mega worms green weenies eggs but you start getting into the you know kind of more technical areas i usually just throw pheasant tail nymphs copper johns midges um and the, and the cool thing about fly fishing is you can you can nerd out and be a full-blown entomologist um and study the life cycle of bugs you know um because you know when we talk about why you're matching the hatch or um for trout there's you know you go through the the life cycle of these bug these aquatic insects um they've got the nymph stage which is like your pheasant tail nymphs your copper johns your midges you're you're imitating that larval stage of um of their life cycle and then you get up into the emergers um, where that's kind of that middle top of the water column. Um, and then your dry flies, which is what everybody kind of thinks of your, your caddis flies, your mayflies. Um, every year, you know, spring, I love going down to the lower Illinois because the March browns, these giant brown mayflies that are just everywhere. And it's like an all you can eat buffet of rising trout. Um, and so, you know, I started tying pretty quickly while getting into the sport. Um, that's another gear road that we can go down a <laughs> rabbit hole. Um, flies are expensive, man. And tying your flies is more expensive. So don't ever <laughs> let anybody, don't try to justify to your wife that you're buying a $200 vice and, you know, pieces of squirrel and rabbit fur to save money mm -hmm. um, because you're lying to yourself. But it, it's another part of the hobby that you can nerd out on. Um, and it, it's a satisfying feeling to go out there and, and wrap some thread and feathers around the hook and then go out and catch a fish with it. It's, it's just a, you know, it's another way to, to, to nerd out and, and have fun with the sport, but that's typically what I'm tying, you know, woolly buggers and, and small buggy, buggy nymphs. Um, YouTube again is another great place. Um, I don't think I've ever came up with a recipe. I lied. I do have one called the baby bass bugger, which again, matching the hatch, I caught a smallmouth one day. And as I caught it, he, he spit up like a little baby red eye bass, which had, you know, these just real pretty olive stripes and an orange tail. So I tied up just a little, basically woolly bugger with, um, olive and, and rust colored orange marabou tail. And man, that, that fly murdered on the upper Illinois all year. Um, but getting into bass and stuff, I mean, bait fish stuff, clouser minnows, it's, it's crazy how many different species can be caught on a simple clouser minnow, which is just bucktail and some dumbbell eyes, um, crawfish, um, are an amazing fly. Um, and then, you know, this time of year right now, it's a, there's a drought, there's grasshoppers literally everywhere. So foam terrestrials, um, that's kind of my favorite. I love tying on a, a foam grasshopper or a chubby Chernobyl and, you know, going to a small Creek and, you know, casting my fiberglass rod for four inch long air sunfish, man. It's just, an, it's an incredible time. Um, but again, you don't have to, you don't have to have a giant, um, box full of, um, just ungodly large flies and stuff but man it it uh it can be as as simple or you know crazy as you want it um but then we you know getting into the streamers if you're if you're throwing um for smallmouth bass largemouth striper anything any predatory fish um streamers is a is another aspect of fly fishing that is it's just a bunch of glittery or bucktail, or again, as nasty or pretty as you want to tie, um, anything that just imitates their forage, their food that they're, that they're after. I heard on a podcast 
the other day, you want to, you want to throw something out there that like a, a fish that looks like he's in the wrong part of town. But yeah, man, that's that's flies in a nutshell. Gotcha. Again, apologies to your listeners for knowing very little about fly fishing. <laughs> no, no, that was great. That was awesome. I was I, I didn't want to interrupt. You just you just, yeah, that was awesome. Um, so we we've covered gear pretty good. Um, I want to move on to some actual fishing stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, first off, what type of water are you fishing? Like, can you just head out to the lake? Um, does it need to be more of a river setting? Is it worth fishing in, you know, tiny little creeks? Uh, what type of water are you fishing? And again, it's, it's all about what you have access to. Um, if you're, if you're in an urban setting and all you have is, you know, the local close to home ponds that ODWC stocks, take a fly rod out there, man. It's, you don't, you know, you don't have to be a fly fishing person only. Um, you can, it's just a tool that you can incorporate into your normal fishing habits. Um, so if you've got access to lakes, go throw a fly rod. If you've got a boat, throw it on the boat and utilize that. I like, typically what I'm fishing is moving water, like rivers, creeks, tailwaters. Um, these tailwater, you know, we've got a lot of dams here in Oklahoma. And if you have access to those, um, tailwaters or raceways, if, um, like the lower Illinois um, is a tailwater. Those are great places where any number of fish species are housed. Um, I, I love the lower Illinois because you can stand in one spot and complete the 15 species challenge. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so kind of our most favorite um, spot to fish is the upper Illinois. We like to float it, you know, um, our Creek Adventures podcast is, is sponsored by Maxon Inflatable Boats. Um, and so we utilize those boats. Um, it's an inf- like an inflatable whitewater raft um, that we, you know, one person's on the oars and two people are fishing out the front and back. Um, and whatever, whatever body of water, moving body water we can get those rafts on, that's what we like to target. Um, whether that be the Upper Illinois or Barron Fork Creek, um, any of the little Ozark streams, um, sorry if my fly fishing buddies are getting mad at me for spot burning. <laughs> um, but again, man, if I had a boat, if I had a bass boat, I'd probably be out on Lake 10, Lake 10 killer targeting the points. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and however you target fish, you know, it'd be hard to go out there, um, and get a fly line, you know, 60, 70 feet deep to, to catch some crappie in the dead of winter or something like mm-hmm. that. But, um, it's all about what you have access to. I, I kind of nerd out on the small Ozark stream creeks. Um, that's kind of my favorite. I love, you know, you have promoted Onyx quite a bit. Um, that's a valuable tool, um, to just look at a thin blue line, see if there's public access on it and go jump in it and see what speed you might, you know, you might catch a six inch Creek chub. But, you know, that's, that's fun to me. I don't, I don't have to catch a, a 30 inch striper to, to, uh, fulfill my fly fishing fantasies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And then, uh, while you're, you know, going up and down these rivers and creeks, uh, are you looking for the same type of, you know, structure you would look for as if you're rod and reel fishing? Like, you know, if you see a down tree, does that scream, oh, there's a fish there? Or does that scream, oh, that's going to tear up my line. I need to stay away from that. Uh, you know, are you looking for that type of stuff? Is it more ripples in the water? Uh, you know, what are you looking for that says, hey, I need to put my fly right there? Oh, absolutely. You know, same, just because you have a fly rod in your hand doesn't mean the fish live in different places. Um, you may have to think about how you can reach that target differently um but yeah if we're talking trout you know they they typically stay in and running oxygenated water if you see a foam line um on the water um you know they say foam is home these trout they just they sit facing upstream you know they live on a treadmill and they're just sitting there waiting for food to hit them in the face so um you know when we talk about drifting a nymph Um, what you're doing is you're casting upstream of where your target area is and you're, um, with as little drag as possible, naturally drifting that nymph under, you know, 
we call them indicators, strike indicators in the fly fishing community instead of bobbers, like uh, peasants would call them, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're, you're just literally trying to hit those trout in the face with food and, and then they'll sample it real quick. Um, if they like it, you've got a quick, you know, reaction time to you see that that strike indicator kind of bob up and down. That's a fish set the hook. Um, if we're talking smallmouth bass or predatory fish, you know, any fisherman here knows if you're fishing for a predatory fish, you're looking for structure. You're looking for something for them to come out from behind and, and grab, grab that bait fish that's in the wrong part of town. Like we talked about earlier. Um, right now with it being hot and low everywhere, um, it's, you're, you're probably looking for oxygenated water, um, water that's, that's got some current rolling through it, rocks, riffles, um, anything to keep those fish happy and food, you know, coming to them. Awesome. Awesome. All right. This, I, uh, talked about this earlier, but I want to talk about kind of a fly cast. And again, like, you know, I'm not necessarily talking like bend your elbow, 10 to, and that type of thing. Um, I think, you know, like I said, I think people should go to YouTube if they want to learn how to cast, but I'm mm -hmm. talking about more the process of the cast, you know, what are you looking for? Um, how are you trying to place that fly in relation to the fish, um, mending the line? You know, that's something I knew a little bit about that I was terrible at, uh, you know, where are you pointing your rod, uh, you know, that type of stuff. Like I'm talking about the process of the cast. Uh, can you walk us through that a little bit? I can try. Okay. Um, so yeah, I would direct, like you said, YouTube is such a great place to learn. Um, Mad River Outfitters which is kind of one of the big dogs in the, in the fly fishing YouTube world um, has an excellent series on fly casting and Brian Fleshing is a goober. I love that dude. Um, he's so good at articulating and teaching a, an actual, like you said, 10 and two, don't put your wrist here. Like, I mean, he does, he does the mechanics. Well, I got some of the best fly fishing or fly casting advice from one of my buddies. And he said, man, you just got to feel it. And, and that, I was like, um, that, that's not really helpful, uh, but it, it is because the best thing you can do is go out in the front yard. Um, you've got your new combo reel, or if you want, um, they have these, I bought a white river, but all the brand, all the fly rod brands make them the little practice caster, um, which is just a, like a miniature fly rod um, and yarn or like nylon rope and yarn at the end that imitates a fly cast. And it does it pretty accurately. Um, but essentially, you know, the main difference in fly casting and casting a regular um, spinning rod or bait caster is you're casting the line. You're not casting your lure. Um, so you have to use the momentum and the mechanics of that line. Um, you know, first off, you can't cast a line with slack in it. Um, the line needs to be tight, um, whether that's on the ground or on the water. Um, whatever, um, I'm thinking and trying not to sound like an idiot, but uh, <laughs> your fly cast is, it's, it's a, you've got two halves. You've got your back cast and your forward cast. So upon your back cast, you want your line to completely unfurl behind you um, in, a, in a good um, rule of thumb is to pretend that your elbow is kind of on a shelf, sitting on a shelf. Um, and you don't really want to move that. It's all kind of shoulder and arm movement. Um, there's arguments to keep your wrist in and out of it. But man, again, you just, you got to feel it. You got to see what works for you. But essentially, you're, you're carrying the momentum of that line backwards. And once your complete um, energy has transferred out the end of that line, you will start your forward cast in that same forward motion. And again, you want to see that tight loop unroll at the end of your cast. Um, and, you know, everybody thinks of fly fish, like fly casting, you got to do 14 false casts mm -hmm. you know a, a false cast is what we call you know you're not actually putting your fly in the water you're you're either stripping line out or getting ready to place your fly but everybody thinks you've got to have 10 14 fly false casts before you can 
you know, put your fly in the water, but that's just more opportunity for things to go wrong. Um, so you want to do as little false casting as possible um, to, to get your fly to get whatever length of line you want out. Um, but you're basically, your controlling line, if you're right-handed, left-handed, I'm right-handed. So you've got control of your fly line in your left hand, and that's what you're feeding line through with. Um, we can get into double haul, hauling and double hauling. But again, I'll let Brian Fleshing of Mad River um, Outfitters on YouTube teach you that. Um, but man, it, it's all about energy transfer and momentum. Um, the best thing for you to do is get out in your yard, practice. You can get like a hula hoop or a paper plate um, and just sit it out there 30 feet in front of you and, you know, see if you can get a tight loop going. Um, you're going to feel like an idiot. You're going to get mad. You're going to get frustrated. Um, but man, it, it took me quite a bit to, I think I started fly fishing and didn't catch a fish until like six months in. Mm -hmm. So it's all about how much you want to, how much you want to invest and learn. Um, but there's, there's plenty of opportunities to learn. Trout Unlimited 420 holds a casting lesson um, at the Jinx Indoor um, Aquatic Center every year. Uh, Mr. Scott Hood and a couple other TU um, chairmen, they put that on and teach that. And again, this, this Oklahoma fly fishing community is so awesome. Um, there are, you know, we all get on social media, the Facebook groups. Um, there's a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of people ready to teach, ready to meet you out on the stream, um, to again, demystify that fly caster, because it is a steep learning curve to get into the sport. But if you have somebody, you know, like, I mean, you don't really just get into fly fishing by yourself. It's kind of one of those things you need somebody to at least teach you the, the beginnings of it, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and get your interest up and teach you a little bit because you can it's easy to get frustrated and again if you go back out and buy that thousand dollar rod and all the gear and all the stuff and then you suck at fly casting you know you're going to be quick to, to throw it all in the trash or put it on facebook marketplace mm -hmm. absolutely that's kind of where i found my place or found myself and uh but yeah as i've gotten older and just getting more into the outdoors i've i've definitely had that little tingle creeping back up you know i, I I think I might have to get me a rod soon because uh, it, it's just something different, you know, it's something different. And like you said, it's, it's a tool, uh, you know, it's just another, another way of doing something. So uh, I got one more question here for you. And uh, it's kind of funny because I feel like we've spent a lot of this time talking about how, you know, fly fishing is not just for trout, but trout mm -hmm. is kind of a unique thing. You know, they're, they're fairly rare in our state, but we do have some opportunities. And so um, I want to give you a chance to, to just, just kind of inform people, you know, what are some of the trout fishing opportunities that the state offers? Yeah. So in Oklahoma, we have two year round trout fisheries. So we've got the lower Illinois and Gore, Oklahoma, um, which stock, we get stocked periodically, I think weekly um, by the ODWC. Um, and we have the lower mountain fork down in Beaver's Bend State Park. Um, and there is conversation there that that is actually a self-sustaining and reproducing population. So there are actually wild trout um, in the lower mountain fork river, which is, which is pretty cool and unique to Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. um, and what, what's supplying this cold water is these tailwaters. That's where these, these trout can live. Um, you know, there are cold water species um typically above you know 75 degrees they get they get pretty stressed out um and and the mortality rate starts growing when the water gets hotter so these these dams as a form of mitigation um for uh destroying the warm water fishery um these tailwaters were turned into cold water fisheries so the the state um stocks these trout there um, but then again, throughout the year um, or seasonally um, in the colder months, the ODWC, they stock trout all over the state, man. Um, any number of city ponds, um, urban areas, they'll, they'll throw some trout in some, in some ponds, some parks that will sustain trout for the winter. Um, and then they have a full list of those on their website that you can get to them. I couldn't name them all off the top of my head, but Kind of the most popular one that we've referenced um, a couple times is the Blue River. 
Um, that is a very popular spot for seasonal trout fishing, trout fishing. Um, and it is just a beautiful place. I, that's probably one of my favorite places to fish in Oklahoma. Um, it gets a little crazy in the wintertime, you know, the, the Texans like to come up and partake in the, in the Oklahoma trout fishing. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're happy to have them and it, it just creates a, an amazing opportunity for people to learn about trout um and potentially you know get them into fly fishing mm -hmm. so um usually seasonal here in oklahoma for trout um but then again those two those two year-round trout fisheries i would encourage everybody um uh to go down there to the lower mountain fork and you know go on a go on a monday tuesday wednesday um be there at 6 a.m in the morning and you'll have one of the most beautiful um trout streams in the country to yourself um I recently went down there a couple of weeks ago on a little family vacation and um, you know, that spillway Creek is, is the start of the trout stream for the, for the lower mountain fork. And it, it's one of the most trouty looking places we've got in Oklahoma and it's, it's little pocket water. Um, and it, it's just a beautiful place that I encourage anybody that, that is trying to get into fly fishing, make that a destination because it is an absolutely beautiful place. Mm -hmm. but, I, but I can't, you know, I can't dog on the lower Illinois. That place, it's not as pretty, but that is the perfect river to teach somebody fly fishing. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it's low and slow. It's easily weightable. It's, you know, there's not a lot of structure on the side. So you can, you can easily learn to fly cast um, without fear of snagging something, um, on your back cast. Um, that, that is a, is a perfect opportunity, um, to, to get in there and learn fly fishing. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Dalton, this has been completely, uh, mind blowing. Uh, you know, one thing that you said that really stuck out to me that I've never really heard articulated is that you're casting your line and not your lure that like that made so many things click in my head just now. And so hopefully some other people got, you know, something out of this, but uh, you can definitely be rest assured that I got something out of it. So uh, I really appreciate you coming on. I do want to give you a quick little second here to, to shout out some, some uh, social media stuff and some friends of yours. So uh, if people want to learn more about fly fishing, where do they need to go? Well, if you want to learn more about fly fishing, like I stated, please don't come to me. I'll do my best. I'll talk your ear about, off about fly fishing. But um, me and my buddies, you know, we have a fly fishing podcast called the Creek Adventures Podcast. It's my buddy Chris Queen and Trevor Rogers. Man, we. one of my other friends told me you're kind of like a comedy podcast that sometimes talk about fly fishing. <laughs> so we love to just nerd out, talk about our local waters and dream about going to destinations. Um, again, we're there to, to be ministers of culture, you know, for fly fishing. Um, we want to encourage everybody to get into it. Um, so if you want to give us a listen on that, um, Chris, you know, again, has that fly shop within Creek Adventures. Um, if anybody, you know, wants to go over there and, and look at some gear, um, after looking, looking at this or listening to this podcast, um, we'd love to help you out, meet you on the river, um, demo some stuff and answer any questions that I did not articulate well enough for you. We call, we call Chris gear, Chris, he'll go, uh, he'll go for hours talking about gear. So he's the guy you need to have on if you want to learn a lot of stuff. Um, but again, Trevor, um, is a full-time photographer, um, or part-time photographer, um, but full-time stud at photography. Um, he offers, um, you know, like photography or videography sessions for a fly fishing trip. That's kind of a weird concept you think, but you know, how many times you've been out on the river, you know, with your son or daughter or family and think, man, this would be cool to have some, some quality pictures, you know, people pay out the butt for a, for a wedding photographer. Why not pay a little bit for a fishing photographer? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, pretty cool concept that um man if you want to follow me i started a little instagram called worth the wade um fly fishing my last name wortham um my middle name is wade i named my son wade so a little play on words i thought i was creative and cute with so um you can find me there i just like to document my um experiences and and show people again that fly fishing is is not an elitist sport 
and and how unique of an opportunity we have in Oklahoma to just get out and have some fun and learn. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Dalton, I've really enjoyed this. I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, yeah, just thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us. And uh, I can't wait to have you on again sometime. Yes, sir. Can't wait to be back. I can't wait to meet you out on the river, man. We'll get you. We'll put a fly (laughs) rod in your hand. That's right. And we'll get you on some fish. All right. All right. You got a deal. Well, Dalton, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Thanks for sharing all your knowledge with us. And we will talk to you later. See you, buddy. And boom goes the dynamite. Thank you, Dalton, for coming on. We did it, guys. We finally got a fly fishing episode. A long time coming. Uh, So, yeah, thank you, Dalton, for joining it. Guys, go check out his podcast, the Creek Adventure Podcast. And uh, I hope we inspired somebody today to at least give fly fishing a try. Uh, You know, like we talked about, you don't have to have thousands of dollars to get into it. Uh, You can buy some simple gear, and you can do it anywhere. You know, you don't have to go to some high mountain stream or anything like that. You can just go to your regular old lake, river, creek, whatever you got, farm pond and uh and give it a shot so so yeah i hope this inspired somebody i'm trying to think if i have any last minute announcements i don't think i do uh come to the deer expo um yeah i think that's it so uh like i mentioned at the beginning we got several several more episodes coming out in the next couple weeks and i think you guys are going to enjoy it so uh yeah deer season is right around the corner i hope you guys are getting ready and until next time i will see you guys right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast.